been in this series called Prescription Church, and the idea has been uh, we came out of a series called The Pastor's Dead, Now What? And in that whole series, the idea was that we're supposed to become independent of, of, of others in, in owning our own faith. And so prayer, getting into the word, giving, all these kinds of things. If, 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 you're, if you're always looking to your pastor or your small group leader or your mom or your dad or your teacher or whomever uh, to kind of go, where do I go next? God wants you to get to a point where you're starting to feed yourself. And so that was the whole idea of that series. And, and so what we, what we were talking about was the path to maturity goes from dependence to independence. In this series, what we've been talking about, that it doesn't stop at independence. As a matter of fact, once you get there, sometimes that's the dangerous, most dangerous place to be. Because you think you got it all figured out and you start approaching the word of God, you start approaching things as though you, you, you know what's going on. The next step to maturity goes from dependence to uh, independence to interdependence. And what we've been talking about in this series is that we are dependent on one another. That in fact, your spiritual life, even though you're responsible for it, it affects me. And my spiritual life affects you. And so we, we, we kind of made this more of a semicircle to get the idea that we're all connected together as the body of Christ. And what's really cool is that we're not only connected as a church living spring, but there are other Bible-believing churches all around that are connected. We're part of a denomination that's part of many denominations that's part of what's going on in California and Alabama and all around the world. Every single continent, there are people, just like you and I, although they're in different cultures, depending on each other to live holy and godly lives. This morning, we're going to be talking about the idea is one thing that we have to do together, we're not supposed to do on our own, and that's take communion. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to uh, go back to the very first teaching about communion before anybody knew anything about communion, before anyone had ever heard about anything, all the way back before even Jesus talked about it in the upper room to his disciples, back to his very first teaching on this idea and hopefully we can connect with that and then see how that connects to the broader scope of communion and the broader scope of us uh, needing each other as the body of Christ it's found in John chapter 6 and uh, it's quite a bit of scripture and let me just kind of give you the the background of what's going on uh, we're going to start in John chapter 6 verse 26 but I, I want to tell you what's happened Jesus has fed the 5,000 He's fed a lot of people. And in that day, if you had food that you were just giving out, you were the man. I mean, that to feed that many people just on the spur of the moment was awesome. I, I know we know it's awesome. And, and for us, it's like, yeah, you know, even for us, it would be awesome. I mean, even but on Wednesday nights when we do our food program and we feed 120 people, 150, 200 people, however many, when we do that, it's great. Back then, if you showed up with food for 5,000 people, you are a rock star. They, actually, the word of God says they actually tried to make him king after that. So he feeds them. And then the disciples take off in a boat, and Jesus doesn't get on the boat. And then, he, I don't know, he does something freaky, like walks on water or something. You know, anyway, he, uh, he ends up in Capernaum, which is kind of their home base. 
And all the people find him and say, how, how did you get here? He doesn't even, he doesn't mention any of that. He's starting to realize, well, he already realized because he was God, right? It's starting to become apparent that they're here for something else besides him being the chosen one, being the Messiah. And this is where we kind of pick it up. In verse 26, it says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now, we're going to get to the beginning part of this teaching. The beginning hinting of where we're going to get. We're going to get from this particular verse all the way to communion today. Okay? Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures. Jesus begins his teaching, don't follow me for what you're going to get on this earth. Okay? To eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. They asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And here's the key statement. This is the thing that everything falls upon. The work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is, start, here's what's happening. The way we talk about it in this church is we've got the kingdom of heaven up here and the kingdom of, uh, uh, of the world down here. We have these hand motions that go with it. It's really weird. But anyway, the, he's trying to get them. Don't think about the flesh stuff. I want you thinking about eternal life. I want you to think about the things that matter. I want you to think about a life outside of what you can get here. Okay? It says, the work of God is to believe in the one uh, who said. So they asked, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? And then they kind of give him this idea. Um, Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. Like that might be a pretty good idea. We were, we were, had, we had the um, kids ministry had a camp uh, on Friday night, going from Friday night to Saturday night, and all the kids were around. It was awesome. And uh, so we, we, uh, we go camping and all this stuff, and, 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 and I had pushed uh, 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 Logan Lamphere in this, in this like little, in this like little cart, right? And so I was sitting there, and he, he comes and walks up next to me, and he says, Hi. I said, well, hey, Logan, how you doing? And he goes, uh, may, maybe you could push me in that car again. <laughs> like he came over, like, like, you know, I don't know. I was just kind of sitting here. I just, I didn't even know you were here. And I just saw the car there. And I thought, hey, maybe this is exactly what they were doing. Hey, how's it going, Jesus? Maybe you could do a miraculous sign. I don't know. Or forefathers had manna in the desert. Maybe you could whip us up some bread again. Right after Jesus says, don't be going after the bread. So Jesus has to ramp it up a little bit. He says, I'll tell you the truth. It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread from God is he who comes down from heaven. And he says, sir, from now on, give us this bread. You got fancier bread? Whip Whip us up some of that. That sounds fantastic. And Jesus then declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He starts to teach on that some more. 
He says, for I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. He says, uh, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose one of them who he's given to me, but raise them up on the last day. And then he says this, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son of man and believes in him will have eternal life. That's, if you wonder what God wants for us, he wants relationship. And there's only one way. Jesus is beginning this idea. There's only one way you're going to have a relationship with God. Back then with Moses and the manna, great stuff. But now it's something different. It's going to be me. So he says, My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And the Jews began to grumble. How can he say, I am the bread that came down from heaven? They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I've come down from heaven? See, again, physical, physical, physical. And Jesus is just trying his best. And again, don't you understand where they're coming from? I mean, they've been taught since they've been a tiny, tiny baby. The law, the law, the law, Moses, the desert, the Passover, all this kind of stuff, the Feast of Booths, all this kind of stuff. And now Jesus is saying, I've come down from heaven and guess what? It's me. I mean, you can kind of, I mean, it's easy now to kind of blame them because we've had 2,000 years of history. But if I were there, I would be pointing at my Bible going, you cannot say that. That's not in here. So you can't really blame them that much. So Jesus says, stop grumbling among yourselves. I love that. He's like a dad, right? He goes on. He says, no one can come to me. He's talking about the prophets. He's talking about um, that he who believes. And then he says it again. I am the bread of life in verse 48. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give, which will give life to the world. Well, now, now he's starting to ramp it up, right? Like, like, what, like what about the flesh? Did he just say something about eating flesh? Now, if you're a disciple for Jesus at this point, you're like going, oh, no. He didn't actually mean that. Just hold on. Let him finish. He's going to finish. You know, come on. Let's not I'll be hasty, right? Because you're inside. You're nervous. Because you're just a day ago, you were a rock star. You're passing out baskets that don't ever, that bread doesn't ever stop flowing out of. I mean, you're part of the Jesus movement. I mean, it's just like Jesus is healing people. And you're like, yeah, you know, way back in the early day, I've been with him ever since. I mean, ever since his ministry started, you know, I was fishing, but I thought this guy needs some help. And so I joined him up. And it's like, you're, it's like a big old deal for you. And you're passing out bread and the people are like, oh man. And then you show up again and you're like, there's all the people. And you're going, yeah. And Jesus starts on this thing. I'm the bread of heaven and eat my flesh. And you're going, oh. Oh, no. Watch what happens. They began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then Jesus cranks it up one more notch. He takes it over the edge. I mean, if it was bad enough before, he goes, he goes, into, he goes into what to them would be a sin. 
cannibalism, eating the flesh of another human being. That is, they could point, they could open the scroll up and find it in the law. He says this, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, now it's getting creepy. I mean, for us, at least we have like twilight and stuff like that, where we're like used to the whole vampire thing. For them, like drink his blood. Watch, whoever drinks his blood, I'll, uh, whomever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. You can't get around those. You can't argue your way around. You can't excuse your way around those statements. Those are hardcore statements from Jesus. Shocking that he'd say that. And he goes on, he kind of talks about that for whoever eats my flesh. I mean, he's just, it's like he's digging himself into a hole. It's like, dude, settle down. Look at verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? There's a sharp, sharp people there. Yes, it's a hard teaching. It's weird. It's weird, but here's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to go, listen, guys. What you see on earth, the fleshly stuff, the stuff that you're striving after, you want little trinkets of bread that that will fill you for a day? Listen, there's going to come a time when, 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 when you can have a relationship with the living God through me. And the thing about Jesus is he doesn't back down. He doesn't, he just lets them sit with it. And it's like, yeah, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Have a nice day. And it's like, what? Who, who can, who can, because the gravity of looking at the flesh and looking at the spirit, there's such a chasm between them. So aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. Now, again, these weren't his 12 disciples. See, you've got to understand, when Jesus starts feeding 5,000 people, disciples start coming out of the wood, like, oh, yeah, I've been following him for weeks, you know, and it's like, who are you? You know, I'm Zelatheus, Z- or whatever word you want to, like, whatever sounds old. Uh, yeah, it, it's, like, it's like he's got quite a bit. You know, he sent out 70. I mean, he, he's kind of got this big following of, of people who are, would be called their disciples. He says, does this offend you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Drinking your blood, yeah, that's, that does kind of offend. Actually, it makes me want to vomit, but uh, it offends me as well. He says, does this offend you? And he says, what if you see the son of man to ascend to where he was before? I mean, he is like going, woo. I mean, he's gone. Why? Because he understands if you would embrace the things of the spirit of God and you would say no to the things of the flesh, you'll have eternal life. You'll have a life you didn't even know existed. And it's like, but how do I give up the bread? How do I give up free bread? And he's like, guys, free bread? Really? And so he starts ramping it up. All of a sudden, on verse 66, from this time, many disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And you know what? I might might have left. I probably would have left. Because it would have just gotten to be just too much. Drinking blood and eating flesh and all this kind of stuff. 
And then Jesus asked a question. Now, here's why, here's why I want us to get to, because for us, for us, like in this church, if, if, we're, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, I mean, we just got through the whole series on the pastor's dead now. I mean, we're starting to own it. If we own it and it's ours, then, then we can be called his disciples, right? I mean, I mean we're, we're his disciples. And so at this point, everyone else is split. Everyone, the teaching got hard. It got weird. Uh, it didn't, and he turns to his disciples and he asks this question. And this is the question we ask ourselves prior to taking communion. It's a question from Jesus. And, and if we can get this question on the forefront of our minds every day, this week, as we're in, as we're in work, as we're going on that first date, as we're in school, as opportunities present themselves, Jesus has this question for us. You don't want to leave too, do you? You, you, don't, want to, you don't want to go too. Now, you got to understand, they're probably thinking, yes, I do. I do want to go. I mean, really, Jesus, the food thing was awesome, but the drink in the flesh, me no likey. We, we, can we just shake, can we soften it? And maybe we just kind of see your blood and see your flesh or we kind of sniff it or whatever. We kind of, well, I mean, can't we just change the rhetoric? See, here, here, here's the thing that's going to happen to all of us. Maybe it happens on a weekly basis. We find ourselves drifting over to the flesh side. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I just, if I just, if I just had this thing, if I just had more money, if, if I just had a different boss, yeah? nobody on staff say anything. If I just had a, a different spouse, if I just lived in a better neighborhood, if I just, if I just, and we start to drift and God starts to go, oh, no, 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 no. It, 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 you know what? You, you married somebody, you're, you're, you're th- with them for life. There's no getting out. And part of you wants to go, ah, I don't know, man. Or, or, or you're, in a, you're in a relationship and it's starting to heat up physically and you're not married. And it's like, it's like, no, 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 sexy till marriage. Ah, yeah, but everybody's leaving. And I think they're, I think they're doing that. And I'm just gonna, and Jesus is right there going, hey, hey. You're not going to go too, are you? And you're right there going, ah. You are at the point of flesh and spirit. Right there. Now watch. I'm going to take us from here, from this question Jesus has. You're not going to leave too, are you? And we're going to fast forward a few decades to 1 Corinthians. Because here's what happened. They kind of got it. Like, because I'll just give you the end of the story. Jesus gives this hard teaching on flesh and blood and drinking and all that kind of weird cannibalism stuff. And then on the night he's betrayed, he, he goes to his disciples and he goes, hey, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he goes, hey, this is my flesh. And I could just imagine him going, whew, oh, I knew it wasn't your real flesh. Why'd you wait 15 chapters to say that? Like, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, he's like, this is my body. It's been broken for you. This is my blood. Oh, oh, okay. It was a figure. 
I told you it was figure of speech, right? Like you can kind of see that. So, so we've, had, we've had all these decades now from then where the church kind of understands, oh yeah, it's not a real flesh and real blood, it's figure of speech. And guess what's happening to the church in Corinth? They're totally blowing it. They're, they're, they're totally back to the flesh thing. Only this time, it's idolatry. This time, they've just made communion just a ritual, just something we do. We're getting together, and they're not connecting with the fact of what Jesus did on the cross. And so what happens in, in 1 Corinthians, and if you read 1 Corinthians, chapters 10 and 11, there's a lot of famous verses in there, and you kind of can pull them out for different things. No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man, all this kind of stuff. And, and they're good verses, and you can do that. But in reality, the whole thing, Paul's really talking in chapters 10 and 11 about getting together and what you're eating and what you're drinking and how you're kind of doing it together as a church. And so he says this, therefore, my dear friends, this is in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for that which we give thanks a, a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Now listen to what he says. This is so awesome. And this is why we're in this for our church. Because there's one loaf. We who are many are the body, are one body. For we all partake of one loaf. What he's saying is, guys, when we partake of of communion. We're joining in as the body of Christ declaring. We're answering the question. You're not going to go too, are you? Collectively, as a group, when we take communion corporately, we're answering the question. You're not, you're, you're not, you're not going to leave over that thing, are you? Now watch. We skip over to, ver- to chapter 11. He says this. He says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. <laughs> he's, he's, he's upset now. Uh, for your meetings do more harm than good. He says, in the first place, this is in verse 17 and uh, 18 of chapter 11. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Now watch what he says. This is so awesome about dissension in the church because I hadn't really looked at this before. I mean, I had, but listen, listen, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Like there's differences among us to show which one has God's approval. And every single one of you is going, yeah, me, right? Yeah, that's, that's what happens. I just thought that was so cool. So anyway, he, so he says, yeah, there's going to be differences. You're going to start to see who's kind of taking it seriously and who's not. Now watch, he's, we're going to skip all the way down because he's talking about communion and this whole thing. He says, when you come together, it is, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For as you eat, each one of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hun- hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink? <laughs> you can just see him. What is wrong with you people is essentially what he's saying. Don't you have homes? Go to your home, okay? He says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say about you? Shall I praise you? No. Okay. I just paraphrase there. Verse 26. For whenever, listen, for whenever 
You eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, when we take it together as a body, one kind of loaf. Did you know you're a big loaf? Okay, forget it. All right? As, as the body of Christ, when we take communion, the bread that represents his flesh, the juice that we use that represents his blood, we are proclaiming his death. We're answering the question. You're not going to leave too, are you? Now let's go back to John chapter 6 again. Because Peter answers this question. <clears throat> if, you, uh, if you fill out, the way we do our, our notes for the sermon is there's basically a bunch of blank lines. <laughs> and it's whatever the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart to write down, you can write down. But there's one line up in the front, the top part. That's our main point for the, for the, for the Sunday. Here's our main point. It's a, it's a question. The point this morning is a question. Jesus asked the question, you're not going to leave too, are you? And Peter says this, to whom shall we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? I mean, really go back to my job? Get a promotion? That'll last for a little while. Divorce my wife, get another wife. Well, see, we all know, and, and if I were to ask you, if I were to put somebody's life up here, and you could all point out to where they're looking to the flesh to satisfy, except when you're up here, when I'm up here. See, Jesus has a question for us. You're not going to leave too, are you? And the obvious answer is, Jesus, we've seen way too much. We've heard too much. We're ruined. What are we going to do, Jesus? Start drinking? Like that's really going to work? Start medicating? Start on prescription drugs? You know, what am I going to do? Start, you know, start a blog? I mean, essentially everything we know, everything physical is going to fail us eventually. When we take communion together, what we're saying together as a body of Christ in a church down the street doing it and people all over the world from all different cultures are saying this. You're not going to leave too. We're saying no. Where are we going to go? We're stuck. We, be, we want it to be about Jesus. We're declaring together through partaking of his flesh and his blood and declaring his death until he comes back, we're saying, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. And this is why it's to be repeated because God knows us like we know us. We're all in, we're all in, we're all in. And oh, oh he's kind of cute. And we start going and Jesus says, hey, 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 you're not going too, are you? Yeah, but Jesus, it's if you had met our neighbor and it's just hard, I need a new car and I gotta do the when we know it's not gonna satisfy. And with the same rhetoric that Jesus was talking to the people in John chapter six, he speaks to us today and says, Hey, let's do this. Come on, let's go. And we say, watch, Peter goes on. Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. 